It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app and, of course, streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980. Joining us now from Ashburn, it's J.P. Finley, NBC4 Sports, and, of course, host of B. Mitch and Finley over on 106.7. The fan, J.P., what up? Uh, you'll love this. I'm actually in 7-Eleven. The line's kind of long. I'm trying to get out of here. I'm just trying to get some water. I have a cost that I can't kick. Um, if uh, I'm, I'm at the Ashburn 7-Eleven right off uh, Waxpool Road. Basically your home. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is like a home away from home. I'm on the wrong side of the river. Give me two minutes, and I will be back. Okay. All right, we can do that. Uh, so JP's going to try to get checked out. We we thought we were good. Uh, we gave him a little bit of time there to get checked out and, and, and not. So if you're wondering uh, what JP is still doing in Ashburn, as you know, he's a, obviously a Maryland guy, um, then it's because they, there was a press conference today. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury was introduced as head coach. or Sorry, not as head coach. That would have been really weird. Surprise! No, introduced as offensive coordinator. Joe Witt Jr. Uh, introduced as defensive coordinator. The commanders, by the way, also announced their staff this morning. A um, couple of interesting names. Uh, one of the, like, I don't know how consequential this one is. Um, this is a much more inside the building thing, but I thought it was interesting to see uh, a quote come up. But Sarah Hogan is going to be the chief of staff, and she was in Atlanta. Dan Quinn poached her. And she was someone that Raheem Morris was asked about a couple of weeks ago and gave glowing reviews and was very excited to work with. And Dan Quinn was like, nah, she's, she's coming with us up here. So um, a chief of staff can do a lot of different things, but kind of the organizational side of it. But I thought that was an interesting one. Uh, more on the football side of it versus the administration. Uh, David Blau, one of the interesting names that comes out today. He was most recently a backup quarterback in the league. Uh, you might remember him from multiple editions of Hard Knocks. He was on with the Lions. He was on with the Arizona Cardinals with Cliff a couple years ago. Cliff actually joked today that that he had been – or when they brought him in mid-season in Arizona in 2021, uh, he Cliff said that Blau knew the offense better than him within two weeks. That's how smart the guy is. So great other voice to have in the room. Uh, someone who's been, you know, had to learn offenses. I always think that's a skill, and the, you know, the ability to pass on that knowledge is is really nice uh, to have in a room. So uh, someone who played in the league and, and someone who played in the league recently. Um. That is that is a great skill set to have. Um, and then, obviously, great, great experience on the defensive side all the way down. All right, JP, have we cleared the line at 7-Eleven? Are we good to go? Dude, I, I am truly, really sorry about that. In my defense, I told Ant that I needed a second, and he put me on hold. I didn't know that meant I was, like, potted up on hold. Luckily, I had a headphone in when you counted me in. It was, uh, it was an experience. Sorry about that. No, all good. Um, I think you did a very good job. Also, that might have been my fault because Anthony told me, like, you needed two minutes. I just thought it had been two minutes, and I'm notoriously terrible at math. So, honestly, that might be on me. And I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm just going to own it. My name's on the show. That's on me. How about this? I got nothing but time now. I'll stay on through a commercial break if you need to. No problem. All right. Well, I tell you what, we'll just do like the old 15 minute double break bit probably because there's plenty to talk about. So I think, I think that'll be the plan. You got nothing but time. We got nothing but questions. Let's start off with, with this. I think a lot of people went into today most excited to hear from Cliff because with DQ's defensive experience, like people are kind of more interested in that other side of the ball, that OC hire, the number two pick, yada, yada. 
and then Joe Witt Jr. seemed to steal the show. What was it like in the room as those two men spoke today, the energy, any memorable quotes? Like, as you walk out of the room and go back to the media annex afterwards, what's what's immediately sticking in your head is, like, the most important thing that happened today? I, I think you nailed it on kind of the, the tone of the day. Everybody was ready to be wowed by Kingsbury talking quarterbacks and offensive systems and what is this thing going to look like. And I don't fault him for it at all. Um, you know, Cliff's been a head coach in the league for a number for four seasons. He's done these things so many times that I can't imagine he was too excited to talk to us today. Like, it was more of like a – a perfunctory measure than it was something that he was looking forward to. Um, whereas for Joe Witt, you know, he, he kind of came right out of the gate and was saying that he feels he had been ready for this for a long time. Um, and, and the thing that stood out to me with Joe Witt was obviously kind of his passion, his energy level. And that I, I feel like is similar to what stood out to me listening to Dan Quinn talk. And, and you could see how those two, really seem to like mesh well and, and, and have a, a shared vision. But honestly, Craig, the, the thing that stood out to me most with Wit was a, kind of a, a story he told where he, he explained that he's, dis, he's dyslexic. And because of that, he realizes that like he learns differently and that in turn, he has to maybe coach different players differently and he has to meet them where they are was what he said. And I just found that really refreshing from a previous regime that was pretty straightforward, like this is how we do it, figure out how we do it. And um, I don't know, I I appreciated, I I suppose that's not vulnerability, it's just telling, opening up perhaps. And and I thought it was uh, a really telling moment of how somebody can connect with players and, and find them in their own space to make them better and to make the unit more cohesive. No, I 100% agree that that was the most important thing that was said today at that press conference because there's an understanding, and it was kind of followed up with that quote. I'm, I'm going to paraphrase here. But basically, like, if a player's not learning, that's not the player's fault. That's on us as coaches. And the idea yeah. that you can't just be like, this is the information, you're a pro, if you're not on board, we'll replace you, because that's how you waste talent in this league. And the fact that he did mention he liked – a guy like Forbes, and obviously he liked Quan as well coming out of the draft, that gives me a lot of hope for those guys that we're, I'll tell you this, at the very least we're going to know whether or not they were they were good football players at the NFL level because these guys are going to give them a chance where last year I think we're all just kind of like, I don't know, they look like busts, at least for part of the year in, in Quan's case, but these guys are not very good coaching, so maybe, maybe it's all on that side of it. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. And, and think about what we all perceive to be really talented players on that defensive front that at times have shown that, and at other times it seemed fairly pedestrian. Like, how much of that has been previous team or a lack of talent development? And how much of it, it could still be the players. Maybe we'll find out. I think one important part of this exercise is also to remind ourselves, like, four years ago, plenty of people were excited about Jack Del Rio. And last year, plenty of people were excited about Eric Bieniemy. So, you know, today is an introduction to a coach and and perhaps some principles and some insight, but I I thought Joe Witt, the person, was really interesting. Um, He he told the story about, you know, a lot of coaches like to stick around really late 
but I don't do that. Like, to me, if you're sticking around late, it means you cheated yourself during the day. And I'd rather just go all out all day, and then when it's time to leave, it's time to leave. And I, I can appreciate that because I do think on some level, like, some politics get involved, like, oh, the head coach's light's still on, so I got to just stay here until he goes home. And, like, yes. I think we saw so much perception mattering in the last regime that didn't matter, that, I, that I'd like to see less of it. And, and honestly, I mean, even Cliff, I would say, neither of these guys seem to care about perception today. No, I, I agree with that. And I will say, because I'm a gigantic nerd who's reading a book on sleep right now and the effect that it has on the brain. Like, this, the grind culture of the NFL that's like, be in at 4 a.m., stay till 11 p.m., and sleep on your couch is a terrible way to exist as a human, especially in a job that involves a lot of problem-solving and creativity. Your brain literally becomes incapable of doing it if you deprive yourself of, yourself of sleep that much. So, like, that was another very refreshing thing to be like, no, we're not going to play these games. Like, I'm going to go see my family, and then I'm going to go to sleep, and then I'll show up for work and work really hard the next day. Um, um, again, am I a gigantic nerd who's read a book on sleep? Sure. Is that also how every human being's brain works? Yes. So that seems like an important thing. Uh, JP Finley's with us here on the Hoffman Show. Um, one thing that I thought was interesting, both on Cliff's side and on Joe Witt Jr.'s side, let's talk about it from Witt's side first, and then we'll circle around and talk about the offense, is they both seem committed to almost nothing schematically. Um when when they you know with as DQ did was like you know four three three four doesn't matter to me like is this team on the verge of switching fronts all of a sudden and what would that mean for what they have or do you think this is just a bunch of lip service because they don't really know what they're going to do yet and they're trying to keep the the options as open as possible? Um, I didn't hear that as switching the base defense. I'm for me and I'm kind of been shouting this for a while like. Teams play so little base defense anyway that it's become more of like a, a talking point for fans and stuff than it is a reality. Sure. I think his point was more like, man, everybody plays cover two or cover three or quarters or whatever it is. Like, There's always going to be variations, but it's not like we're going to reinvent the wheel with some sort of defensive alignment that will change everything, which was kind of my understanding of it. Um, what I found really interesting – was and he said this early, was that, you know, he just led a staff meeting letting everybody know we're going to do things differently, kind of we expect violence and we expect super physicality. And I, I, that almost sounds like he's letting players know to expect that. And, I you know, that I find really interesting because I didn't think they were all that physical at the point of attack defensively. And I think, I mean – Curl was probably the best tackler, and then I think Kendall Fuller was decent in run support, but VSJ and certainly Forbes had, had won the real strength. Like, this dude knows his DBs, and it's going to be all over his DBs. And I think there's some level of, like, an immediate challenge to these guys. Like, um, this is going to have to look a lot different if you're going to be on the field for me. J.B. Finley, of course. B. Mitch and Finley on 106.7 The Fan is with us. 
Um, is there anything else from Witt's presser schematically, attitudinally, coaching-wise, or anybody else on staff on that side of the ball before we flip it over to Cliff in the offense that you think is worth noting as we finally got the full staff announcement earlier today and then heard from Joe Witt Jr. from the first time? Um, I mean, I'm excited to see Ken Norton. Um, I also think, just anecdotally, Joe Witt saying his favorite player ever is Sean Taylor. And then I was told later that he has a framed Sean Taylor jersey at his house. Like, I just think that's kind of a a cool, random, serendipitous, full-circle moment. I think there's a lot of people about Joe Witt's age, that especially if you played secondary, that, sh- that Sean's your favorite player. But I, I just thought that was kind of neat. Um, but beyond that, happy to go to Cliff and, and maybe more so what we, like, didn't learn than did. Yeah, so Cliff – Seems like he's just kind of getting a bunch of smart dudes in the building and then they're going to figure it out, which I don't know how he sold that in the interview process. Hey, what's your plan? I don't know. We'll just hire some guys and then we'll then we'll come up with one. Okay, cool. But that's kind of the impression I got out of it, which is both exciting because they can play to their personnel, but also terrifying because I would like a little bit of structure, I would think, to be in place when I hire an offensive coordinator. What did, what did you make of the things that, again, to, I think you phrased that well, the things that we learned and the things that we didn't? I highly doubt he told us the same stuff he told Dan Quinn. That is probably think, also a good point. I think... Because I can understand why he would be. But I thought he was fairly disinterested today, especially in divulging any sort of information. Or I don't think he wanted to talk Arizona. I don't think he wanted to talk Kyler. I don't think he wanted to talk how he landed here instead of the Raiders. Like any of it seemed to me that he wanted to avoid anything that would create a headline on ProFootballTalk.com. And I. I can kind of understand that for him. Um, Perhaps I'd say the thing that I have thought this throughout the process, and I continue to think it today after that presser, um, I, I think it's overly simplistic to say, well, Cliff coached Caleb at USC. Of course they're going to make a big play to go get him. I, I don't – I think that what – like. That is just far too linear of an approach. And, and the fact that he mentioned a guy like Lamar today in, in what you want in a quarterback, to me, opens that up a lot broader. Um, and, and I just – I'm kind of pushed back against that. Now, if, if Caleb gets the number two, I think it changes. But, like, I just – I don't think, oh, they hired Kingsbury. They're going to trade up to number one to get Caleb. And, and I, I feel better in that today. I – I've been with you on that for a while now, although it was uh, wacky. I don't know if you saw that Logan and I did our first uh, take command uh, mock draft the other day and we used PFF's mock draft simulator. And like, I wound up having to hit the start button like five times. And I think three of the five were Drake may is number one. And I was like, well, if that happens, that'd be cool. But uh, I mean, seems unlikely. We don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, we'll, We'll find out a lot more over the next couple of weeks when we head to Indy, but I, I definitely feel like if Chicago plays their cards right, either they or someone else is taking Caleb at one. What did you make of Cliff saying that uh, he would not call what the offense is going to be, whatever it is going to be, air raid anymore? I think that's actually accurate, and 
if anybody's going to understand what that air raid truly was, or, or perhaps still is, would be Kingsbury, who played at it and then coached it. Um, I mean, that real air raid stuff that Mike Leach was running, when you had all those dudes at Texas Tech throwing for like 6,000 yards and then being fifth-round picks, I mean, go back and look at some of those names. We did this on the podcast the other day. Obviously, everybody remembers that catch Michael Crabtree made against Texas, right? Yep. In that just inbound. Do you remember who the quarterback on that team was? Was that was that a that wasn't Cliff, was it? That was after Cliff, right? Correct. That was a dude you've never heard of that didn't make a lick of was, difference. Was, in it, the was NFL. that Graham Harrell? That was Harrell. Yes, sir. Right. Hell yeah! Don't tell me I don't know my old two thousand whatever year that was Texas Tech right. quarterbacks. But that that air raid system at that point in time was just beating defenses. And I, what, I don't, I legitimately never thought Cliff was trying to do that now. And I think especially when you bring in Anthony Lynn, one, I think, legitimate criticism, um, I think I heard you and Logan talk about at one point, but we've heard in this cycle with Kingsbury is like, what does the run game look like? Does it match with the pass game? Does it create play action? And, and I don't know that you go back to Arizona, you could say a lot of that does. And I think bringing Lynn in will ideally help in that capacity. And I think the other part is the true air raid stuff. If you go back and watch Graham Harrell and all those types of dudes, none of them were mobile. It wasn't really until Mahomes did they have somebody that could run. And it was like a pocket three-step, five-step fire kind of, re- you know what I mean? Like, the fact that Kingsbury's talking about mobility and guys that can make plays with their feet is also a bit of a departure from the true air raid system. No, I that is definitely true. But there's also, I was talking about this earlier in the show, the, the spacing, like the space reading element of it where you're not necessarily as concerned with, like, what coverage are they in, but it's like, where is the space? That's actually very beneficial in the modern NFL because we have all these zone match, like amoeba-ish defenses that it's impossible unless you know the call to know what the original thing was. Like we watch film all the time and we're just like, what coverage is that? I don't know. There's just dudes everywhere. And if right. that's if that's the case, then some of that stuff making it into the new offense is very helpful. But I think, as you said, marrying it with Anthony Lynn, Bobby Johnson, et cetera, um, and what they bring is – uh, is very helpful. Uh, your co-host on Beltway Football Pod, Mitch Tischler, asked about Bobby Johnson, uh, who was, I think, everyone's biggest concern considering the last couple of years in New York. What did you make of Cliff's answer about the commander's new O-line coach? I kind of what I expected there, and I think I, I don't know enough. Um, I, I, I just don't know enough about that situation. I kind of need to dig into it for my own understanding. The Giants had a ton of injuries along the offensive line. I don't know that they developed and, and had good backups and all that, but I do think some of this year's trouble was, I mean, just how beat up they were. I mean, if you look at the combinations and the amount of players, or think about just Justin Pugh, who I know we both talked to at the Super Bowl, and the fact that he was signed to the practice squad on a Thursday, and what would that be? nine days later was playing left tackle in a nationally televised late game. Like they clearly had some trouble up there. Um, I I don't know. It's not of all the hires. It's the one that probably makes the least amount of sense, 
but they they also obviously have their process that they stuck with that they feel quite good about. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. And and you talked about the mobility stuff that Cliff mentioned, and obviously uh, Johnson, the experience the last couple of years with Daniel Jones and getting him going. So that that seems like the connective he, tissue to me. Did he mention Josh Allen prior to that, or did I? Yeah, read he that did. Somewhere? He did. Yeah, okay. So um, that that connective tissue of the mobile quarterback, I think, is is definitely a huge reason why Bobby Johnson gets the nod. We'll see how it all comes together. Uh, J.P. Finley talking about it on your televisions on NBC4, uh, in your ears on 106.7 The Fan and the Beltway Football Pod. Uh, J.P., uh, safe travels back to uh, your side of the river, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Uh, thanks for your time, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. Take care. All right, J.B. Finley with us here on the Hoffman Show. B. Mitch and Finley, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. daily on 106.7 The Fan, which you can also listen to, like you can listen to us, and some of you are right now, on the free Odyssey app. When we get back, um, yesterday I said that we need to chill out on some of the Denny Obvia talk. And then Denny Obvia went out and scored 43 points last night. Let's discuss next. It's the Hoffman Show. We are live on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Real things, real people said into real microphones coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, Close it out. Uh, The mic'd up from the Super Bowl is out. Uh, Then you got some, some funny Tom Brady stories, all kinds of good stuff uh, coming up at 645. Right now, as we also, of course, are streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980, let's talk a little hoops, shall we, Anthony? Um, I, I will admit I was not watching initially live last night as Denny Avia lost his mind in New Orleans, but after our discussion on the show with Linnell yesterday, I all of a sudden I got a text from Linnell going, Denny! And then I was like, well, I better see what's going on. And all of a sudden, Denny Avia, who, if you were not listening at 5.30 yesterday or have not checked out our Wizards Talk uh, segment on the podcast or on YouTube, I said, look, he's playing a lot better. And that's very exciting and very, very encouraging. However, realistically, Denny Avia is not a top three player on a championship team. He's just, he's just not that guy. He's playing better. It's exciting. He's also averaging 13 points per game this season. Like, let's cool our, our, our Jets a little bit. On a championship team, he's somewhere between the fourth and seventh starter. Um, optimally, that, like, sixth man coming off the bench, maybe playing top five minutes on the team. Uh, but he's his role is, like, defensive wing, can score for you in a pinch, but not a guy you're relying on in any kind of way for consistent point production. Good day for me to say that when he then goes out and drops career high 43 points, Anthony, last night. Made me look like a real doofus. Or yeah. or, or did he? Uh, I mean, first of all, Linnell didn't only text you. He texted me as well. Uh, <laughs> and and I was so confused, like, what he was even talking about. Um, but, yeah, Denny going out there, uh, to be honest, I just think it was a good day for the Washington Wizards as a whole. Um, definitely a career night, and I don't want to take that away from Denny. But I, I think, you know, as you pointed out, that he's just, you know, playing well this season. Like, I, I think for the future, as we look towards the future anyway, we can, you know, confidently say we can see Denny playing a pivotal role as a role player in the, you know, foreseeable foreseeable future. Is what The I thing is, say. Denny Avi was a ninth pick in the draft. Yeah. He wasn't a top five pick. And 
if you get a third and here I I will make a I will I will me a copa. Anthony, I might I'm actually willing to adjust my opinion. Okay. After seeing Danny Avia last night, yep. I think in the absolute right scenario, he could potentially be the third best player on a championship team. Like if he's got the best player in the league as his, as his number one guy and a top 10 guy as number two. And by the way, the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh best players are not that much different than he is, but he's definitively the third where he's averaging 18 points and eight boards a night. Like, okay, fine. I can at 23 years old, I'm willing to say that is, that is beneath his ceiling or that is his ceiling, right? I'm not willing to go any higher. But that is his ceiling. Okay, fine. Maybe maybe we see that now. But that's really not that different than what I said yesterday. Being one of those top two guys is a very different story. And I think I think where I get sideways is there's a lot of Wizards fans that are like, we can't put a ceiling on these guys. We have to give them more shots, more opportunities, more, 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 more. And to use the analogy that I used yesterday with Linnell, like you can't bake a cake at 10 minutes at 800 degrees and expect to get the same recipe or the same results when the recipe calls for 400 at 20 minutes. You don't get to just give them more and get better results and, and think that's going to work. And, and, you know, that, like, yes, you do want to give some of these younger guys more opportunities. And part of the reason Denny gets this opportunity last night is Kuz is out. And it's like, okay, well, yeah, he got more opportunities and he, he made the most of it. But like, let's also be realistic about what Denny Avia did last night. It took 10 threes. And a lot of those were like, or not a lot, but there was like a few of those that are like step back late clock threes. And he made them. Like, I'm not trying to take away from Denny Avia. He, that's phenomenal. The fact that he even has that in his game as a possibility is thrilling. That's super exciting. But we don't want Denny Avia taking step-back threes because I don't want almost anyone taking step-back threes. I want Dame taking step-back threes. I want Harden taking step-back threes. I want uh, Steph taking step-back threes. And I don't know if there's anybody else. Trey Young can take them. I don't know if there's anybody else in the league I want taking those on a regular basis. Now, if you get in a late clock situation and the ball's in your hands, great. But how many times has Denny had the ball late clock this year and fallen down? And I'm not saying that again to be like mean or be like, Mrr. but he's having a great couple of weeks. And by the way, these great couple of weeks are coinciding with Brian Keith taking over. This clearly was a great move by this front office. We're already seeing dividends of the results of these young guys getting different and better opportunities and taking advantage of it. But I just want people to like, I, I will, I will say a lot of Wizards fans when I tweeted that like, some of y'all need to chill out had great responses. We were all having good fun. It's like, it's a crap season. Let us have our fun. And I'm not trying to rain on your parade. The only people I'm trying to simmer down is the people that are like, well, when John Wall was 23, he had a breakout game like this. And then he was John Wall. Denny Avia ain't going to beat John Wall. If that's you, then yeah, you don't get to have any fun anymore. And you don't get to talk about basketball anymore. You need to go sit in the corner and think about what you said. But. If you're just having fun with it in the middle of an otherwise crap season, have all the fun you want. It is what it is. And if, if that involves making fun of me for being a wet blanket, I'm willing to take that because I'm right here with you in the middle of this crap loss season. If Denny Avdia goes out and, bees John, and he's John Wall. Because he had one 40-point game. And look. In the season where more points are being scored than any in NBA history. There's hope for the season. I mean, there's hope for this team then. Yeah. 
Well, because that's that's the comes the discussion, right? Like the more serious turn on this is people think Bilal is definitely one of the building blocks, and I think they are correct. Mm-hmm. I think Koulibaly has been a revelation. Exactly where he is on that one through three pecking order, still TBD. I think most likely three, possibly two. I have a hard time seeing one, but he's 19. Who the hell knows? I he is someone that if you're like, don't put a ceiling on him, I'm a, I go okay. Because for all I know, he could grow another three inches. Like that's the nature of him being 19 years old, right? So you have you have that part of it, right? Then the question is, do you have any of your other building blocks, or are the guys that are here now mostly trade assets to acquire those building blocks or supplementary pieces? And that's where I think people are getting out over their skis. They see two good weeks from Denny Avia and go, oh, he can score 25 a night over this stretch. Like maybe he's a 20-point guy. He's one of the building blocks. And I would tell you he's doing it on a nine-win team at the All-Star break. If there are better players, he's not getting these opportunities, and he's not going to to put up these numbers. This is why I think the best version of Denny Advia from a team standpoint, like individual statistics, sure. Could he could he average twenty in a season? Maybe. Team's not going to be very good, but maybe. But on the on the team side of it, I think Denny Advia playing thirty minutes a night, averaging sixteen points, eighteen points. You know, seven, eight, nine rebounds, five assists. Like, that's a tremendously useful basketball player. That's not me saying, like, Denny Obvious stinks. To be very clear, I understand how rare and good and helpful that basketball player is in the NBA. I think that's the best version of Denny. I don't want to say those guys are a dime a dozen because they're not. It's rarer than that. But I don't know that that is like a tent pole building block player. I think it's just below that. And so I, I guess I'm trying to help protect you from becoming too emotionally attached to Denny Avia when I know he's 23 and it seems like, oh, well, the timeline thing, how can you talk about that? He's 23, still so young. But realistically, now he's ready to be that guy and be very helpful for a team, I think, in the next like three to five years. And I don't know, or for the next three to five years in his prime. And I don't know that the Wizards are, like, the, the Wizards will be ready in three years, not ready for the next three years, if that makes sense. Which means they can probably get something good for him. And that's exciting. We like that. You know what yeah. else we like, Anthony? What? Jordan Poole took 10 threes last night. And he made, he made five of them. of them. Yeah. I think the person that I've been, like, most impre- impressed with uh, the last couple of weeks, Tyus Jones, man. The dude just simply dishes out assists, doesn't turn the rock over. And uh, I'm interested to see, you know, what his future looks like here because, again, they can uh, re-sign him in the offseason. And I think he will be a good person, you know, to keep um, in the, the organization just because of how – productive he is um when he has the ball in his hand so uh Ty Jones yeah he, he he's been cooking another night 14 points 15 assists coming off a night where he previously had 14 points and 16 assists so I don't know I, I I'm loving what I'm seeing out of Ty I'm just saying Ty since he's been on the show <laughs> reverse effect of some other guys that have been on the show yeah so I we we should do that math we should see when we had Tyus on and see what his numbers are I have to shoot the Wizards a note. Be like, if Tyus, if Tyus ever starts slumping, you know where to send him. Mm-hmm. Do an old interview with the Hoffman Show. 
Bang, bang, bang. I, I didn't get a chance to say this with Linnell yesterday, um, but when it comes to Tyus, his value around a young team is so high. And I know like other teams, like eventually, do you want to probably flip him? Yeah, I probably would. But to have like an adult in the room and on the floor to keep things organized and to make sure that everyone's practicing good habits because they're not taking wild shots and they don't have to take on too much responsibility, that's super helpful in the development of young players. And we've seen it. You know, Chris Paul was essential to Shea Gilgis Alexander's rise in Oklahoma City. We've seen it before. And Tyus Jones is obviously not what Chris Paul was when, when CP3 was in OKC. Chris CP3 was still an all-star. Tyus is not that. But that role is so important, and, and Dawkins and Winger have seen that up close, which is why I'm actually not that surprised that they kept him, even though the contract is expiring and that they're interested in keeping him. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. And when we get back, we wrap up the show with real things real people said into real microphones. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Wrapping up the show, uh, again, Doc Walker in tomorrow and all of next week for me. I'll see you all the Monday following, and then I'm off to Indianapolis for the NFL Combine that Tuesday and Wednesday before flying back on Thursday. We'll have a ton of content from you uh, or for you from Indianapolis, always great to get a bunch of great sit downs. I'm sure like some of the PFF guys will swing by, you know, we had field Yates on earlier today. We'll check back in with him. If you missed our interview with field, make sure you check out the podcast, uh, the Hoffman show podcast available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app and anywhere else you get your pods. Uh, Logan and I always record live in Indy, which is really fun. Um, last year we did a crossover episode with my fitness podcast. Cause obviously the training for the combine is a huge part of it. So maybe we'll do that again. So the it, combine is such a great time, uh, and such a great like content factory. So very excited to get there and do all of that. Um, beyond that, uh, Anthony, have you talked to doc at all or slash, you know, what you guys are going to be doing tomorrow on the show? This is the part where we preview tomorrow or, you know, because we've been doing the show today. You haven't. You haven't exactly gotten there yet. Yeah, Doc actually texted me earlier uh, in the show, and I told him I was on air, and I really haven't given it too much thought. But he has some guys that he's already uh, contacted. So, oh. um, yeah, we, we, we might get Chris Miles on, though, to uh, preview NBA All-Star Weekend um, with mm. Doc. Uh, that's about it right now. Okay. I mean, here's the thing. Sometimes I'm, like – I'm on. I get tagged on Twitter, for instance, because it's my show, and they, you know, oh, in for Craig Hoffman, and we've got, I don't have like three Hall of Famers on the show, and I'm like, oh right, you're Doc Walker. Mm-hmm. That's how you do this. Yep. The Doc Rolodex is deep, so uh, we'll see who Doc uh, has on, and of course, Doc, I'm sure we'll have thoughts. You know who I'm pretty sure Doc is going to just be fawning over tomorrow. Who? Joe Witt Jr. <laughs> Yeah, that probably. is a Doc Walker kind of coach yeah. right there. I got to say, man, I, you know, we, we had Quinn on last week and I pushed him a little bit, not in like an antagonistic way, but he kind of gave what I would consider a stand, like a good, but standard coach answer about, you know, we want to be physical, our play style and hearing Joe. And, and I asked him, um, before we get to the Joe Witt part of it, like, how do you actually get that done because every coach says these things and half of them fail and he's like you emphasize or you get what you emphasize 
And so for us, over assignments, over everything else, we're going to emphasize physicality, strain, finish, explosiveness. And you hear Joe Witt today talking about, I mean, obviously these two guys have worked together, so I'm not surprised it's the same language, but you want to talk about being on the same page. Like, we're going to arrive with bad intentions. The ball, I love, I love his ball is life. We're going to need to pull the Ted Lasso, uh, Danny Rojas ball is life clip and just have that. Every time the commanders get a turnover, we're going to hit the ball is life button. I think that would be a, a fun bit. And uh, I think we're going to be able to hit that a lot because this is the stuff they preach. They preach that physicality and like it oozes out of it, out of Joe Witt Jr. in a way that, you know, if you're a player and you can imagine being in a meeting with that guy and it's like, I know it's important to you. If I go rock somebody uh, and, and I'm a linebacker, you know, coming down to fit a run. And even if I fit the wrong gap, but I do it physically, I'm probably going to get points, which not that you're looking to do the wrong gap, but like, if you make a mistake, make it quickly. And if you're going to play, play fast and play violently and let the rest take care of itself because offensively you can get messed up. Like, of course, beautiful execution, X's and O's. You want to see it all come together. Oh, look at the angles. Like that stuff's all great. If you are a linebacker and you can't get to your gap, but you blow up a guard somewhere else, you might've opened up something else to make a play. And of course, assignment discipline is, is the most important thing. I don't want to sound like I'm talking about, or is incredibly important. I'm not, I don't, I'm not trying to sound like someone who's talking on both sides of his mouth, because I think if you hear me analyze football, it tends to be very analytical and assignment based. And like, this is, this is what happened. This is what went wrong. Um, or this is what went right. This is why this worked. We put this defender in conflict, yada, yada, yada. But like, there is something to sometimes you just line up and kick the ass of the person in front of you. It is a sport where that is a thing. And there are times where you have it drawn up perfectly and one dude wrecks your day. And that's what they want to design is the potential for on any given play, one of 11 dudes to make a play and wreck your day because of how physical they are. And that is going to start with Dan Quinn and it is going to flow through Joe Witt and it is going to go down through that entire defensive staff. And I think they want to you know, bring that attitude offensively too, which is why it was nice to hear Cliff about running uh, Cliff talk about running the football, being balanced and, you know, establishing the line of scrimmage, uh, even though he's going to still bring, even if he's not calling it air raid, some air raid components to this offense. All right, Ant, let's do it. Uh, one final time for me this week, uh, real things, real people said into real microphones, real things. We're not going to Real people. Five and eleven, not very good. Said into real microphones. You know the culture is actually damn good. All right, more from uh, the press conference today, including this one from Cliff Kingsbury. Um, I actually didn't know this. Anthony Lynn. They, he and Cliff. Uh, you try to find the the commonalities. There's not a lot there. It's like, why did they hire this guy? Clearly, it's the alma mater. Silly. Excited about Anthony. He's been a, a head coach. Um, another Texas Tech Red Raider, which you can't have enough of those rocket scientists on the staff. Um, uh, Cliff, Cliff with the wry sense of humor. Also, Cliff Kingsbury has such a deep voice. Yeah, he do, man. I think, I think Cliff and Kevin Sheehan need to do an interview. You think Kevin's voice is deep? Are you serious right now? <laughs> Say, Kevin, Kevin interviewing Cliff, like in studio where, you know, good microphones. 
I think I think we're talking blowing some speakers. The bass in that. Oh yeah, 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 definitely. Then yeah. flexion. I, okay, I, I can hear you then. What uh? What do you? Hey, what? How'd you blow your speaker? You bump in some eight oh eights back there. Like what? No, nah, dude. I was listening to nine eighty, and uh, Kevin Sheehan interviewed Cliff Kingsbury, and their voices were just so deep that, wow. Would you rather hear those two speak, or the rooster? What? Why you? Why'd you bring Russell? Because ro- rooster's loud. Oh yeah, that could also blow a speaker. All right, uh, y'all have fun without me. Uh, Dock in tomorrow.